my mortgage was like $600, but the tenant was paying $1,600. Mm-hmm. So I'm cash flowing $1,000 for that one door. The 10 unit, I'm only cash flowing four dollars $500 for the entire building. Right. So mm-hmm. I was upside down. I said to myself, I said, this is not working. I have to sell that unit in order to pick up other units that are cash flowing more. So I stopped chasing big buildings and started chasing quality instead of quantity. Welcome to the Aid to Assets podcast, the ultimate podcast for aspiring real estate investors. I'm your host, Tiffany Watson. Join me as we discuss real estate investing for nine to fivers. We'll talk about everything from money mindsets and property ownership and different strategies you can use to invest in real estate. I want to empower investors, especially those of us who are working full time, who want to navigate the world of real estate, uncover the secrets to building wealth, generate passive income to achieve financial freedom. Equip yourself with resources from experts, practical tips, and step-by-step guides on how to kickstart your real estate journey. We'll also hear from nine to fivers who started to build their own portfolios, what they did and how they did it, so you can do it too. Tune in and transform your main job into your biggest silent investor in your real estate investment business. This is your Aid to Assets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Aid to Assets podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Watson, where we get to talk to nine to fivers who have made the transition into real estate and the successful people that have helped them do it. So I am so excited about my guest today because he's done both. So we're going to get all of the knowledge and gems from him. Calvin, how you doing? Doing good, Tiffany. I'm doing I'm doing great. Matter of fact, I'm doing amazing. I'm doing amazing. So I want to thank you for having me on the show today. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much in advance for all of the knowledge that you are going to share with us. Uh, I want to make sure I get it right because it's Mr. Cashflow himself. Is that right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So some of my friends call me Mr. Cashflow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Well, that's what we're about. We definitely trying to get the cash flow in. So before we get started, why don't you go ahead and mm-hmm. let the people know a little bit more about you, where you're from and what sure. you do? Absolutely. Thanks, Tiffany. Um, so my name is Calvin Cannon Jr. Um, I'm from Philadelphia, PA. Um, been uh, born and raised in Philadelphia. Uh, I am a full-time investor um, who transitioned from the corporate America world uh, and had the opportunity of disrespectfully, respectfully firing my boss. And I want to teach you guys that today on how to have your nine to five as your first investor to get you into real estate. Um, I've been doing real estate for a very long time, started very, very young. Um, started in 1991 is when I bought my very first property. Um, and I've just been buying properties ever since. Um, I was in college, bought my first property while I was going to Temple University, um, took a stipend check from Temple University to buy the first property. And I never looked back, continued to do uh, full-time work for corporate America. I was a general manager. I was a district manager. I was a regional manager for retail supermarkets, for Rite Aid pharmacies. But then I just took the transition to understand that real estate was exactly where I needed to be in life. So that's what I did. And, you know, I've been doing it for 30 plus years. Wow. There's so much that we are going to unpack. So y'all make sure <laughs> hit that like and subscribe button because first and things first, I'm trying to disrespectfully, but respectfully fire my employer. So yeah. I can't wait. But before we even jump into how you got to that point, I like to start with receipts. Yeah. So the thinking about now where you are in your journey, What's the portfolio look like? Also, you get to help people do this as well. So tell us like, tell us some of those those numbers. What are we talking about right now? So so starting off in real estate, guys, um, I started with one property. I I didn't have a coach, leader, or mentor to teach me how to do uh, house hacking. So I kind of took my money from college. I got a a college stipend check of $5,000 from Temple University. I was supposed to buy my books and for my room and board. And I took that money and I bought my first property, which was a duplex. That one duplex has now turned into over 95 doors in real estate. Now, I know a lot of people might be like, damn, 95 doors, you know? Yeah. So actually by the end of next week, we'll probably be at 102 because we just locked up six more duplexes. But here's the thing I want everybody to understand is not so much about how many doors you have. It's not the quantity of a door. It's the quality of a door. Right. And a lot of people think that, oh, I got to have 100 doors or I got to be, you know, 50 doors or I got to have all this different type of real estate. You have to understand that real estate is based on the business and it's based on quality. You can have 100 doors and only cash flow a thousand to, you know, ten thousand dollars a month. I can have 
10 doors that cash flow $1,000 a door and still have that same $10,000 a month. So you just got to understand that is the quality of the door, not the quantity. But yes, I do have 90, 90 plus doors right now. And I buy at least one to three properties a month. I have a great system that we're going to talk about tonight on how I get my properties. I really don't like to just teach people how to do a money grab. Right. Because a lot of people nowadays are teaching you how to get to the bag, but they're not teaching you how to keep the bag. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. So, y'all, you see why I need the cows in here on the show. <laughs> OK, so first things first, we want to yeah. start at the beginning. Five thousand dollars for a duplex y'all in yes. the comments put five thousand dollars you do not need a lot of money to start with real estate and i can already hear y'all you're gonna tell me tiffany this was 91 he said he got started then <laughs> i don't want to hear it because we're gonna talk about yeah. i'm calvin's still doing numbers so yeah. what made you even in college because man if i knew now if I knew then what I know now, the way I blew through refund checks, listen, yeah. so what gave you the the knowledge and the desire to want to use a refund check to get your first property? Yeah, so that's a great question, right? So for me, I wanted to get out of my parents' house, right? You know, I wanted to be my own man, quote unquote. I wanted to do my own thing and I wanted my own independency. So I was going to college, but uh, for people that do go to college and live in the same state, you know that is a little bit more expensive for in-state um, college student to get, you know, to, to go to college, it, it costs you more. So mm -hmm. um, I, I couldn't live on campus because I couldn't afford it. My parents couldn't afford it. So I was like, you know what? I got to get out of the house. So got my first stipend check. And I said, hey, if I can find something to use this money with, right? And the property just came up kind of out of the blue. It was at 32nd and Cecil B. Moore. Those people that know where Philadelphia is. I mean, I, I was in the heart of North Philadelphia and uh, it was a, 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 a older couple, a man and woman. And they were selling their property and I was just talking to them. They see me going back and forth to school. I was walking down Cecil B. Moore just to get to the bus stop. And they said to me, hey, listen, you know, if you know anybody looking to buy a property and light bulb went off and I'm like, yeah, me. Right. So I was going to rent an apartment at first from them. And then when they decided to sell it to me, I was like, how much? And it was like five thousand. I was like, I don't have it. And then a couple of weeks later, I got my stipend check because the end of my semester, they gave me five thousand dollars to buy my books and room and board. I cast the check and I said, listen, this is all I got. I gave them everything I had. They took it. They signed it over to me. I didn't go to no title company. I didn't have no realtor. I knew nothing about real estate. I just gave them my money. I moved in. I probably lived with every rat, roach, insect that was in that building. My windows didn't work. My front door didn't lock. But guess what? I was able to reach my goal of moving out of my parents' house. And that was my ultimate goal to get out. So that, that was wow. my drive. <laughs> Yeah. Talk about commit first and figure the rest out later. <laughs> it was having the goal of this is what I know I wanted to do and by any means necessary. And if I'm not mistaken, I feel like I've seen one of your posts where you talked about when you were living in that house and you had to do some of the rehab work and some of the, the, the friends yeah. that you had living with you. Yeah. So what was the motivation to keep going? Um, so I didn't really understand real estate back then. Right. My only okay. thing was independency. I wanted to get out of my parents' house. Then I, I, I was still studying. I, I went to school for criminal justice. I wanted to be an attorney. And then I had got a job. My very first job was at a supermarket, a retail supermarket. I was doing security and I uh, got the job. I started making money. And I just thought to myself, like, this feels really good. Right. So because, you know, when you're in college, you know, they give you all the credit cards in the world knowing that you can't pay them off. Right. So mm -hmm. I got the credit cards coming in. You know, I, I want to survive every day. I think I was probably making about maybe twenty five hundred dollars a month. Right. Mm -hmm. But back then that felt like a lot of money to me. So I'm like, how do I make more? Right. How do I how do I get more? I'm watching, you know, all these different people, you know, in, in, in North Philadelphia driving in nice cars and, you know, doing different things. And, and I'm, I'm this kid wearing almost the same clothes every two to three days because I didn't have a lot of clothes. I didn't have a lot of money. My family didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And I just made a decision that, you know, I really want to learn something that's going to work. I, I, I talked with a, a, a couple of my friends who were starting to do real estate, but they didn't really know what they were talking about. Right. So the first thing that was told me was go get your real estate license. So I've always been a, a learner, always been a seeker to get information. So I figured if I want to learn real estate, I need to know the players in the game of real estate. So mm -hmm. I, I'm still going to college and then I also started going to real estate school. And that's when I got my real estate license and my real estate degree. Wow. So you was double dipping for real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. 
that's a lot. So we still a full-time student at Temple, trying to be yep. a lawyer, and then we're yep. going to real estate school, getting our real estate license. Then you yep. got your real estate license and learned. They didn't really teach you that much about... <laughs> about all about being an investor and all that. So what came next? So got my real estate license. I got promoted at my job. So okay. now here's the transition from college work with a promotion and now making thirty, forty thousand dollars a year. Right. So mm -hmm. now my focus, remember, it was always to make more money. So now I'm slowing up on the real estate because now I'm like, you know what? I can take this job to the next level by making more and more money. So now I focused on being a better employee. Okay. Right. So I went from uh, $30,000 a year to $70,000 a year. Then when I hit the six figure of making $100,000 a year, my mind triggered back to real estate and said, you know what? I'm going to try to do real estate in corporate America. Right. I want to do real estate for the companies that I'm working for. So mm -hmm. I started doing that, started doing that. The companies just kept denying me. So, so I, I wanted to be the person to go out and find the land to help build the stores and they wouldn't give it to me. So I mm -hmm. went from security guard to store detective to assistant manager, from assistant manager to store manager to district manager to regional manager to the point I got. And I was like, you know what? I've had enough. You don't want to give me the real estate portion. So I'm going to go get it. I left my I left my job making over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Wow. Just because I wanted to do real estate. Just because you wanted to do real estate. Okay. So in that time where you were growing in your career at the store, were you still investing in real estate or had that come? And then you also had your license. So I know yep. you were trying to do the commercial side. Were you doing any real estate at all? One of the things that I was doing, I was, so remember, I was still going to school. I was mm -hmm. still uh, working. I had the $5,000 property that I bought. I got my real estate license. So now I'm practicing real estate as a realtor. So now okay. I'm helping other people buy and sell properties to make extra money. That's the first thing I did. The second property that I got. So I sold the $5,000 property about a year after I had it. I mm -hmm. sold it for $60,000. So remember, I paid five. I probably yeah. put sweat equity for another five or 10, right? I mm -hmm. sold it for 60. So I made a profit, let's just say 55,000. But with all the fees that came out of that, Probably like another five thousand out of that. So I probably I probably walked away with like forty five to forty eight. Now one of the key things that I learned very very early is that because I had my real estate license, I didn't have to pay another realtor because I represented myself. So right. that was a light bulb that went off. Like hold up, hold up, I can do this, right? Mm -hmm. I took that forty five forty eight thousand dollars and I bought another property. I bought my first quad property, which was down the street from the job that I was working at. So now I'm like, okay, now I'm getting the feel of I just made forty five thousand. At that time, I was probably making about 70000 at my job before I hit the six-figure mark. So now I got to do real estate now because if I can make 45000 in three to six months, I can take off for the rest of the year. So I started getting more involved in real estate, and then I started moving towards helping people as well as trying to help myself. Wow. So wait, let's go back because you talked about the profit that you made and that was, a, a seems like a huge perspective shift for you. And you were saying yep. that I could use this money, make half my salary by having this property and I could take off to then focus on more business. How are you yeah. learning these things and what do you think attributed to you being able to have that perspective? So believe it or not, at this point, I didn't even have a mentor yet. So what really turned me on about it is that I made the $50,000. So what I'm thinking mm -hmm. to myself is I didn't know how I did it. All I knew is that I bought the property for $5,000. A, a entrepreneur pharmaceutical gentleman who owned his own pharmaceutical business on the corner of 32nd and Cecil B. Moore, right? We'll, we'll, we'll keep it uh -huh. professional. So he came Absolutely. to me and wanted to buy the duplex and he offered me the $50,000. So again, I, I was... You know, I didn't have a lot of money and I've never, never had mm -hmm. $50,000 all at one time. So when, when he paid me that money, it made me feel good. Right. So I took that money, but I still didn't really understand real estate. I just knew mm -hmm. that I made quick money. So now my mindset is how can I make more money fast like this now? So mm -hmm. I took that money and I, I moved forward. But one thing I want to just reflect back on is today, that same property is worth over $500,000. So no. I always tell people that my first my first investment was my first lesson in real estate. I should have never sold that property. Mm. I should have never sold it. So now fifty thousand or forty five thousand in the bank account, still working. I got half of my salary in my bank account. 
at mm-hmm. this point, I'm starting to feel myself, right? So now I'm like, you know, I got I got some money in the account now. I can kind of do some things, right? My mm-hmm. my my uh my 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 what does they call that? My my insecurities dropped mm-hmm. and my confidence raised, right? So I continued to work, and then I just I just knew that I always wanted to learn more. So I, I invested more money into myself, got my real estate license. I joined a brokerage. Now I'm seeking for a mentor. I'm seeking mm-hmm. for a mentor. And I finally got that real estate mentor, a gentleman by the name of George Anderson. This is the gentleman, uh, I think he's a family member of the guy who owns Anderson Windows. It was a real big company okay. in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So uh, he started mentoring me. And at that point, I started buying more properties. I got into new construction. I got into buying land. And I never looked back. I never turned back. But I knew that I needed the job because mm-hmm. I didn't understand benefits. I didn't mm-hmm. understand medical coverage. So I kind of stayed there and was doing both at the same time. Okay. Now, one of the things that's really interesting about that is you mentioned that you joined the brokerage. So you got your license, you joined the brokerage, and then you kept buying properties. And so one of the things that is unique about that is many realtors are not investors. What Mm -hmm. was it that made you say, yes, I can help other people and I'm going to help other people buy their properties, but I also want to make sure I keep buying my own? Yeah. So at the brokerage, they don't teach you how to be an investor. And what made me buy my own properties is that I kept watching people's deals fall apart because of the lenders. And as mm. I was helping more people to get properties, I'm like, man, like I'm walking through these properties with them and I'm like, I can do this. Right. Like I'm, I'm showing them a property that they, that, that they want to buy. And let's just say as a realtor, you might show your client four or five properties. They can only buy one. Right. Mm-hmm. But I've mm-hmm. seen four or five properties. So now I'm thinking like, well, if they don't want this, I should, I should try to figure out how to get this particular property. And as I'm walking each property, I'm trying to figure out what can I do different? Like I can paint here, I can do this, I can do that, and I can resell the property. So what triggered in my mind was I'm helping everybody else get their, their dream home, mm-hmm. but I'm not getting one, my dream home, and I'm not getting what I want out of real estate by just staying being a realtor versus understanding how to be an investor, mm-hmm. right? The first time that I went to settlement with a client, it was me, my client, and an investor. So I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm definitely doing the wrong thing. So I need to figure out how he did that and reduplicate that. Mm-hmm. So now my mind started transitioning on how to be an investor. Now I had to learn how to be an investor. Wow. So let's talk to us now about that investor mindset. It's very different. It's not something, one, that many of us are taught or even brought up with. And so can you talk us through, one, what does the investor mindset mean to you? And then two, how did you cultivate it? So being an investor, to me, it started off that I had to understand how to get cheap properties. That's what I thought mm-hmm. that, that's what I thought investors was. I thought okay. being an investor meant I gotta understand how to get cheap properties. The other thing about an investor, what a lot of people don't talk about is I had to figure out how these investors getting their money because most investors <laughs> don't work, right? Most investors work for themselves. So I'm like, how are they mm-hmm. getting their money and how are they getting these cheap properties? Because as a realtor, you're familiar with the MLS, right? And with the mm-hmm. MLS, these properties most of the times are on the market at retail, not at cost. So when I'm thinking like, how is this guy finding this property and reselling it, matching the same prices that's on the MLS? So now I'm thinking to myself, it got to be a different system. Somebody is showing them something different besides the MLS. So I started asking mm-hmm. questions. You know, I, I started searching and, and figuring out, okay, well, if they can find the seller before the seller places it with a realtor, they're mm-hmm. making more profit. So they're, they're, they're becoming the middleman. The second portion of that, I'm like, well, how are they getting this damn money, right? So I started talking to investors and they're like, no, I don't buy this in my name. I buy it in the LLC. And now I'm like, LLC? What the hell is that? So, I said, mm-hmm. right, so now I got to figure out what is an LLC. So I started realizing that I was doing traditional real estate as a realtor or a real estate agent. And I wasn't doing real estate as a business. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. when the LLC started formulating and I started fi- I started figuring out how to get business funding. Wow. Wow. That is so good because there's so many different ways that we can get into real estate. But for so many of us, we've never been exposed to that. You know, get a realtor, you go through the bank. And then we we know investors who don't even talk to a bank when they are thinking about their properties. So 
So you mentioned earlier that quality versus quantity, especially for those of us who are just getting into this space, there is a big assumption that you have to have all of these doors, especially if you want to consider yourself a full-time investor and to be able to replace your salary. Talk to us a little bit more about that quality versus quantity. Yeah. So, so even for myself, right? So a a lot of people watch a lot of influencers online and and we watch a lot of people that's been doing real estate for a very long time, right? You know, Uncle Uncle Cardone and and, and all these different (laughs) people that that buy these multi-billion dollar properties, right? And and all these Mm -hmm. big apartment buildings. I thought the same thing. I thought that my success in real estate is because I needed a 20 unit apartment building or I need this big hotel, right? That, 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 That was the ultimate goal. But then I started understanding that if you can get more money per door, it doesn't matter how many doors, right? Mm -hmm. See, a lot of people think that, oh, if I got a hundred doors, I'm going to be a millionaire. And that's not necessarily true because Mm -hmm. you can have a lot of doors, but you can't cash flow. And that's where people understand that cash flow is most important, right? And that's where I got the name from because I focus on cash flow. So when I first got my first building, it was a duplex. Then mm-hmm. I got a single family home. Then I got a quad. Then I went from a quad to a 10 unit, from a 10 unit to a, I think we had a 12 unit. And I was making more money off of my single family homes than I was making off of the five unit and, 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 and the 10 unit. Wow. And people would say to myself, well, how is that possible? And it's possible because my cap rate had me upside down on a 10 unit and the single family home, my mortgage was like $600, but the tenant was paying Mm $1,600. So I'm cash flowing $1,000 for that one door. The 10 unit, I'm only cash flowing four or $500 for the entire building. Right. So Mm -hmm. I was upside down. I said to myself, I said, this is not working. I have to sell that unit in order to pick up other units that are cash flowing more. So I stopped chasing big buildings and started chasing quality instead of quantity. Love that. And so for those that aren't familiar, can you explain a little bit more about what cap rate is? And you kind of mentioned why it was important, but just in case viewers aren't familiar with that term. Yeah. So, so your cap rate guys is when you have a building and you might have the building might cost you, you know, a thousand dollars a month for mortgage, right? Then you have the utilities inside of the building, you know, your electric, your gas, your water, your expenses, right? You take that total dollar amount together and then you have to subtract what the, the income is that's coming in to the building. And then you divide that by two and it's going to give you the cap rate of what that building produces. So, so on, on simpler terms, because I don't want to confuse anybody, if, if the mortgage is $1,000 and I'm bringing in only $1,200, right, I'm only cash flowing $200, that means that my cash flow is $200 and my cap rate is, is significantly low because it's not enough money to supersede the expenses on that particular building. So you've mm-hmm. got anything over five units or more is based on cap rate. Anything less than f- five units, so it's four units or less, is based on ARV. It's based on ARV. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. So how are we finding these quality properties? I hear folks in the comments like, okay, well, you know, the market's crazy right now. Are there specific criteria that you have? Or like, what is your strategy? Because you told us you still currently doing one to three deals a month, right? So what's the secret sauce? So, So here's the thing. So a lot of people focus on interest rates right now, right? And, and they get discouraged and think that, oh, the interest rates are so high, I can't buy the property. I don't care about interest rates, right? Mm. The only thing I care about is getting the right property and getting the right structure of a deal. Interest rates doesn't matter. When you're searching for properties and you're only searching for income and you're only searching for the, the best number, you're not doing real estate as a business. When I'm buying real estate, I'm buying real estate to understand that in the next five to six years, This property ARV is going to go through the roof. I'm not going to get locked into a mortgage and get a prepayment uh, penalty, which you got to pay down each year. I'm going to get either a a interest only loan. If if I'm getting a a, a four unit or more interest only loan, I'm going to wait till the interest rates drop. Then I'm going to refi out of that. Right. How I'm finding properties is very, very easy. It's very, very simple. A lot of people are not going to believe what is very, very simple. Tell people what you do. It's just that simple. You got to tell people what you do. Here's the reason why. Every property that I buy for the last five to six years, I've either bought the neighbor's property next door to it or Mm -hmm. bought the seller's family member or somebody that they knew who was selling the property. So in other words, 
I just bought a four unit property building two weeks ago, three weeks ago, right? The person who sold it to me, his cousin was selling a single family home. I also bought that single family home. After I bought the single family home, fixed it up and put it on the market, the neighbor two doors over daughter was selling another duplex. After I bought that duplex from her, then her boyfriend or, 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 or family member is selling something else. And the, the cycle continues. Mm-hmm. I tell everybody what I do. And I always give everybody this, 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 this example. If you ask the top three people that you speak to every day, hey, what is it that I do? And they don't tell you that you're doing real estate. You can never say people don't support you. Mm. You're not branding yourself hard enough. You're not making people around your immediate circle know what you do. If you ask anybody what I do, they're going to say real estate because I brand it. I go to the cleaners. I leave my real estate card in my pocket. Guess what? Because the cleaning lady got to take that out of my pocket. I go to a restaurant and eat. I'm giving you my credit card to pay for the dinner. Guess what's underneath my credit card? My business card telling you what I do. I walk into an event, a networking event on my iPhone. I'm airdropping my business card to everybody who got airdrop on. Yeah, I might be evading your privacy, but guess what? You're going to look and see what I do. You want to look and see what I do. So you have to let people know there is no such thing as being a secret of what you're trying to do to bring yourself. If you are ashamed to tell your job or anybody else, I do real estate, then you have to question yourself. Do you really do real estate? Everybody should know what you do. In the comments, y'all, I am a real estate investor. Go ahead and type it. Get comfortable with it. This is a new identity for many of us. So it starts here. I am a real estate investor. And so such great tips of telling people what you do. So that way, how can a deal find you if no one knows that you're looking for a deal? So that is huge. And then I want to go back because one of the things that you mentioned was the word of mouth. So not only are you telling people what you do, but I would imagine they wouldn't be referring you if you weren't treating them well when you were doing business with them. And so then it makes other people want to work with you as well. So as we are doing this and the difference in what you said of doing this just on the side versus this being a business, that customer, having those repeat customers, but then other also customers that will be willing to refer you, it comes from doing good business, making sure you're giving people fair deals. You're actually calling them when you say you're going to call them, giving them the information that they need so that they want to continue to do business with you and also don't mind sharing you. So thank you so much for for sharing that. Now, you talked earlier that you also don't use traditional banks. So for many people, that's completely uncommon to them. And so talk to us a little bit more about how you've gone about doing that. Yeah. So one of the things that I teach all the time is I teach you how to have a cash flow money machine. Your real estate has to pay for itself, right? The name of the game is you, you're going to probably go to the bank once or twice, right? If, if you're doing investment real estate. If you're doing real estate for your own personal self, right? You're going to use programs like FHA, mm-hmm. NACA, and different programs like that, right? And I, and I always urge everybody to at least do that program once if you're starting to become a new investor. Don't try to jump right in and try to see what other people are doing and say, hey, I want to get, it, I want to, get to that level because social media got your brain going, right? Always start where you're comfortable at, but start where you can get in and grow. So if you can do FHA, Buy a, a multifamily property, house hack, right? 3.5% down, you go into the bank. That, that's, that's the first time you win. Second time, you can go through NACA. NACA pays everything. You might got to pay a small portion, but NACA pays almost 90 to 95% of the cost of getting a home, right? Another second strategy. Once you finish that first, now you're coming to play ball with the, with, with the big dogs, right? Mm-hmm. So now you got to think to yourself, If I want to get my next investment property, I have to now go conventional, hard money, or private money, right? Now, conventional, you can still get properties up to about 5% down, right? Mm -hmm. Hard money is going to cost you anywhere from 25%, 20%, 15%, or 10%, depending on your experience. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell you what the difference is because a lot of people get confused. When you go conventional for that 5%, most of the time, the property is in your name. When you become an investor, you're going to learn how to own nothing but control everything. And in order to do that, you have to learn how to put properties inside of your LLC and then get different type of funding. So for me, as an investor, I started off 
you know, with, with the low money that I had. And as I started using OPM, which is other people's money, I only did it once or twice for my down payments. Mm -hmm. I still use OPM mortgages to carry the large portion of the note. But for my down payments, which I started off at 25%, I'm now at 10% because of the season that I am as an investor. I got 30 plus years. And so the banks only require 10%. Mm -hmm. Once you do that once, maybe even twice, you should never have to go back to the bank and ask for money for your down payment. Now, I know a lot of people say, oh, go get a, a business credit card, go get a line of credit, go get all this stuff because they're teaching you how to do money grabs, mm -hmm. but they're not teaching you how to keep the money in-house. So mm -hmm. here's what I teach. The first or second time, you go to the bank, use your credit card strategy, use your line of credit, whatever the, the gurus are teaching you. But once you do that, the, the, the real estate that you buy, you should be able to pull the money out of that real estate. You should not be buying properties or, or getting yourself into projects that you can't pull the money out. So mm -hmm. one thing you can do, you can flip a property. Let's say you put down 25% of $100,000. It's $25,000. Plus, I always add $10,000 for your closing costs. See, a lot of people don't talk about all the fees. They just tell you what you got to put down. So $100,000, 25% down is $25,000. You add mm -hmm. your closing costs on top of that. Let's just call it $35,000. So you, however you figured out how to get your $35,000, you buy the property. You fix the property up. You sell the property, right? Now, the, the profit that comes off the property, let's say you sell the property for $70,000. Well, your profit is $35,000 because the other $35,000 was your down payment that now you have to continue to process. Mm -hmm. Remember, money is called currency. That means currency has to continue to move and recycle. So you take the $35,000, you go buy the next property. Then you buy the next property and repeat the same cycle. That's selling the property. Number two, you can do the Burr method. You can buy a property, fix it up, right? Rent it out, rehab it. Then you re, I'm sorry, fix it. I'm sorry, buy the property, rehab it, rent it out, and then you refinance it. So out of that refinance, you're taking that same $35,000 back out of the property to move forward. This is when you do this, you created the cash flow money machine. You never have to go back to that bank. You never got to go back to that guru and say, hey, give, give me another business credit card because you already have the money recycling in your real estate. When you do real estate such like this, this is called doing real estate as a business. Yeah. Not just doing real estate. Yeah. Real estate should pay for itself, right? So after I did that once or twice, I I don't go to banks right now looking for business credit cards. I don't go to banks right now looking for lines of credit for my down payment. I go to banks to get private money to fund my deals. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I get private money is because it's because it doesn't show up on my personal credit profile. So now I'm I'm a, I'm a ghost, right? I got millions and billions of dollars tied up in real estate that nobody sees. That mm -hmm. debt you don't see because it's not on my personal profile. Mm -hmm. This is the smart way of doing real estate. Y'all, there was so Calvin, <laughs> that, yeah. friend, I appreciate you for talking to my people <laughs> and putting them on the game because yeah. there's so there's so much value in what you just said. One, I think oftentimes we take ourselves out of the game before we even get in, right? Yep. Getting that first house is usually the hardest. Once you yep. get one, you already know you can do two because you've already done it. But people yep. then think of, I need all of this money continuously. And that's not the case. Money is going, you, you are buying an asset, which means that the money that you are investing in it is going to continue to make money. But the asset that you have also is going to grow in value. And that's money that you can pull out. Studies yep. show right now, particularly with our generation and this time of age, we tend to stay in a house about seven years. So we're getting 30-year mortgages for a house that we're probably never going to pay off. And people get real concerned about the interest rates. And, and I'm not saying that you make a bad deal because you got to run your numbers. But realizing yeah. this is not your forever home. We are building businesses. And so one, we got to stop watching HGTV because we do not need the prettiest house on the block with all the marble countertops and the cabinets oh. and all of that. We're looking for what is going to add to our portfolio, add to our net worth. But then we're also letting that currency flow where money needs to move. It needs to go in and out. And so if we yeah. are hoarding it and letting it sit in equity, we just waiting on the market to drop. And then we really can't do nothing with it. And we're going to be mad at all the payments that we made. 
Sure. So, oh my gosh, such good information. So there's two options that Calvin just shared with you. So we have the fix and flip. And so yeah. if you just buy a house, you renovate it, and then you put it right back on the market to sell, or you buy a house and you're going to hold it and you're going to fix it up, rent it out and refinance, take that equity out. Calvin already told you how to get a property under what you're going to see on Zillow or anything else. We need to tell people how that we are looking for this. How will people know what to give us if we don't know that we're looking? So telling people that we're looking to buy property. Now talk to us, Calvin, because I'm imagining you do a lot of negotiating. I feel like in my spirit, you a good negotiator. <laughs> so how are you determining what's a good deal for you and negotiating to make sure that the numbers work? Hey y'all, Tiffany here. Are you looking to purchase or sell real estate? As you know, I'm your aid to assets and I want to help you with all of your real estate endeavors. Whether you're local here like me in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, I can then help you purchase or sell your next property. If you're looking to purchase or sell outside of North Carolina, let me know too. I can still help you. I have a team of agents all over the country that I can connect you with to partner on your next deal. Let's get to the closing table, y'all. We buy our way to wealth, whether that's buying right or selling better. Can't wait to hear from you. Click on the link in the bio if you want more information on how to personally work with me or an agent on my team. Talk to you soon. So, so one of the things that I want everybody to understand is in order to be successful in real estate, you got to have a plan, right? So one of my my beginning plans was buy, flip, hold until okay. your holds supersede your flips. Hold and on. Say that, that again. Say that again. Hold on. Say that again. So you want to buy, flip, then hold until your holds supersedes your flips. Okay. And here's what I mean by that. Remember, we was talking about how to get the money and keep the money in-house, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to, my first deal, anybody's first deal should always be a flip. Okay. Always be a flip. You can house hack, right? And then and, and go through FHA, but your first investment, true investment deal should be a flip. This is setting up your bank account in order for you to move forward for anything that happens in real estate. You can now mm -hmm. hold the next property, but you want to flip. That's the first thing. Okay. Second thing is when you're looking for deals, here's the thing. Just be honest. Be honest and be transparent, right? When I'm looking for deals and I'll give you a prime example. I buy a lot of my deals still off the MLS. I buy a lot of deals from wholesalers. I buy a lot of deals from private sellers, right? I, I buy a lot of deals from auctions, right? But when I buy a deal, my communication skills, my customer service skills are so elite that I'm working real estate by just my personality and the person that I am. When I'm mm -hmm. talking to a seller, I understand that this is a sensitive situation of why they're selling that house. Either mm -hmm. one, they need the money, two, they can't afford the house anymore, or three, they just tired. Mm -hmm. They just tired. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so my approach can't be this greedy investor. Oh, I want to lowball you. No, I'm coming in and saying, Hey, what number works for you? You tell me the number that works for you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you the number that worked for me and let's see how we can meet in the middle. If it doesn't work, I'm going to shake your hand and say, hey, if you know anybody else that's looking to sell, let me know. If you yeah. change your mind, let me know. Mm -hmm. If we can figure out another number later, let me know. It's no pressure for me, right? I want you to feel comfortable that I'm buying your house. Uh, after I buy your house, I'm still in contact with the seller. I'll give you a prime example. Uh, I just bought a house three months ago. I fixed it up. I put it on the market. Guess what I did? But before I put the house on the market to sell it, I contacted the person that I bought the house from and said, hey, if you want to come by and take a look at the house before I put it on the market, you're more than welcome to do so. The guy called me back. He said, man, you did an amazing job with this house. Thank you. Right? Because people have an attachment to something. Yeah. Right? I can't be running around here just taking people's you know, future and, and taking people's houses and, and then making it seem as if, oh, well, it's my house now. Get out of here. No. Mm -hmm. I treat everybody with respect because that's what I ask to be treated with in return. So I get a lot of deals that way. My negotiating skills are are on a high a high level because I believe that I'm very transparent and I'm honest. If the deal works, it works. If it mm -hmm. doesn't, it's no love loss. You can still come to the barbecue, right? It, 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 it's no love loss. So when you talk to people that way and you let them know, like, I'm not desperate to buy your house. Mm. This has to work for both of us, right? I would love to buy your house, 
but I don't need to buy your house. Mm-hmm. Right? And when you think about real estate, everybody needs to understand, don't buy the house you want. You buy the house that you need, right? But I don't need to buy your house. I would like to mm-hmm. if this helps you and it helps me. So negotiation is always number one. Don't appear to be desperate. Don't, you know, everybody first deal, your, your, your anxiety is through the roof. Oh my God, oh my God, I, I want this house, I want this house. Deals for me now, if it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. I'm sitting mm-hmm. on 95 doors. Like I'm not, you know, my, my, my cash flow is where it needs to be, where it, it, it takes care of my lifestyle. So I'm buying real estate now because I enjoy it, not mm-hmm. that I have to. Mm-hmm. So when you think like that, you're going to get more deals. People are going to bring more deals to you and you're going to attract more deals because people say, you know what? I don't mind working with Calvin. He was nice. He was, he was generous. He was courteous, right? He was well-respected, right? He respected the situation. He communicated, right? And you're going to get deals. So that's how my negotiation is is no strategy to it is, Hey, what's your number? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's your number. I was thinking more like this number. Oh, you can't do that number. Can we meet here? I'm not sure. No problem. If you can, let me know. Give me a call. No pressure. No That's so good. That abundance mindset is so important, especially, and you, you hit it right on the head. I work with so many new investors and they are so anxious to get that first deal. They just want to close. Yeah. They just want to say that they did it. And there's so much. And then you hear so much from the media about the market and, and mm-hmm. landlords and all of these things. And so it can produce a lot of anxiety in people mm-hmm. and wanting to make sure that this first deal, is they're going to hit it out the park, which how many of us in our first deal, we hit it out the park. And so like that, that anxiety we feel often is a lot of pressure we put on ourselves and not wanting to think about the long-term game, but then also, and just making sure we're doing good business because there are plenty of deals, regardless of what people say, when the time is right, the time is right. And so not being desperate for a deal is so key and critical in order to be successful because it's so easy to buy wrong. It's so easy to buy wrong. Okay. Now, one thing you mentioned that we got to talk about is we talked, there's a lot of social media influencers and gurus (laughs) (laughs) online. And so I'm curious to hear when you are talking with newer investors, and I I believe just in in our conversation that, you know, there are people who they have the opportunity to work with you. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but even if they don't, how do you help them understand how to properly vet, especially whether it's a mentor or a mastermind or those sort of things? What tips do you have for new investors trying to get in community? Yeah, for sure. So the first thing I would say to everybody is turn down the volume and turn up your value. Ooh. Let me repeat that. Turn down the volume. You got to turn it all the way down to turn up your value Mm -hmm. now the reason why i say this is because social media can clog your brain right you see all these different people teaching all these different things the very first thing i want you to understand is nobody has the perfect system nobody not me not this person not that person what we have is what worked for us Mm -hmm. my success is going to look different from your success Mm -hmm. right your job is to know what is it that you want. Stop listening to everybody. Oh my God, this person drives, you know, a, a land bowl or, or, or this person got a private jet or a private helicopter. Later for all that, you got to put all of that to the side, right? Because that's advertisement. Yeah. It's not real estate. Mm-hmm. See, there's a difference between real estate and intellectual property. And what people get confused is that I do real real estate. Mm-hmm. Other people are behind computers and they do intellectual property, which means that they're selling you courses. They're mm-hmm. selling you. Now it's still real estate, but mm-hmm. it's intellectual real estate, right? You got to understand the two of the difference. Mm. When you're meeting somebody and you believe that they have what you're looking for, you have to you have to decipher on is it the lifestyle that attracted you, or is it the work ethic that Ooh. attracted you? Mm-hmm. Right? Did you meet this person because you see them in real estate? Did you meet them in Home Depot? Did you meet them at the title company? Did you meet them at a settlement? Did you meet them somewhere in real estate, or did you just meet them because they got gold chains on and because they got fancy cars on and they at certain events speaking well on stage? How did you meet them? And the second thing is, what is your goal? 
What do you mm -hmm. want out of real estate? Mm -hmm. Is it that you just want your lifestyle or is it that you really want to set up legacy wealth? So when you meet somebody new, the first thing you want to say to them is this, is this what you do every day? Do you do real estate every day? Most people say, yeah, yeah, I do real estate every day. Can I come to one of your projects? Can I go to a house that you're working on? Can I pull up on you? Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing real estate every day, you should be able to allow me to come inside of one of your properties and see your progress. Not your students, but your progress. Mm -hmm. What are you doing every day in real estate, right? And then you take what they're, what they're doing and you ask yourself, is this what I want to do, right? So I'm a... I'm a landlord with 95 doors. Do you want to be a landlord? And the question is, I mean, if the answer is no, then maybe my system that I teach you how to be a landlord might not be for you. If you say, hey, I want to be a wholesaler. Well, I don't wholesale properties. So if that's what you want to do, you have to find the person that's doing what you want to do. But most people get confused is because you don't understand what you want to do. You understand what they have. Mm -hmm. So you got you, you got to focus on before I sign any programs, before I sign up for any course, what is it that I want out of real estate? I want to flip properties. I want to replace my job with real estate. I want cash flow. I just want to do one deal and make a hundred thousand. I don't care about nothing else. Right. You got to know what is it that you want to do and then you can pick the right person. But you got to you got to turn down that volume. You got to get the get the nonsense out the way because there's so many people just selling you stuff. They're they're great marketers. Right. Yeah. And and, and I say this about people. If the person you following is on social media, 95 percent of the time, when the hell are they, they, they at the properties when they do real estate. Because mm -hmm. if they online every hour posting and every 30 minutes posting and going live every 15, every 20 minutes, I would have to question, like, when do you do real estate? Because you're great at marketing. But when do you do real estate? Yeah. And that's what you have to ask. You cannot get caught up in that. You got to ask questions. And if the person's not willing to give you something so you can get started and they got to charge you for everything, mm -hmm. I would question that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that. that's so good. So one, there's onus on us, y'all. We can't blame everything on the gurus because we have <laughs> to get honest with ourselves. What are our goals? What are our goals and what are we looking to achieve? And it's okay. Like success looks different for everyone. Just like Calvin mentioned, my success is going to look different than his success. And so if your goal is to drive a Lambo, be honest and say, I'm just trying to get in the Lambo. There are better, easier ways to do that. Let me just call that out. There are easier ways in real estate. But being honest about where you are trying to be will help you determine what's the vehicle that's going to get you there in the best and most efficient way. So that's huge. Then figuring out, doing your due diligence. So do we see these people actually doing the things that they say they're doing? Because in, yeah. this, in this age of social media and digital courses and peer-to-peer -peer learning, it provided a great opportunity for people to share their knowledge and experience. And it provided a great opportunity for other people to hear themselves talk. And so you got to be careful to make sure that the people that they are talking about, that the people that are talking about the things you want to do, they're not getting paid just for talking but they're actually Absolutely. getting paid for doing the things that you say you want to do. How can someone teach you to be successful in something they're not successful in? So that is so huge. Now, Calvin, you just said that you were a landlord for 95 yeah. doors. Yeah. We got to talk about that because that sure. is a big fear, especially with new investors of then now yeah. becoming a landlord. So now I'm already buying one of the biggest purchases of my life. But now yeah. I also got to be a landlord and be accountable and make sure this house is taken care of. How do you manage 95 doors? So that's a great question. Great question, Tiff. And one of the things that I always say is that you got to have systems. Mm -hmm. You got to have systems. And I want to break that down. Systems mean saving yourself time, energy, money, and stress. Mm. Come on with systems. the S. Come on. We need all systems. of them. Yes. Right? Right? <laughs> you you, you got to have systems, right? So one thing that you got to understand about real estate is that if you do real estate just to do real estate, then you're not doing real estate as a business. I, I know we've been talking about that back and forth. You, you got you to gotta accept real estate as this is my business. It's not mm -hmm. my hobby. Mm -hmm. It's my business. I'm running real estate like a business. And when you do that, you're able to manage it better. So when I got into real estate, I started acquiring properties. Even when I hired a property management company, you still have to manage 
the property management company, right? Mm -hmm. Each company has their own protocol on how they do things and how they manage it. You know, as a landlord, how you're going and how you want your properties to be managed. Every property that I have, every property that I've had, every property that I sold, I've walked it. I've been in every property. I touched every property. Every tenant I had a conversation with. I'm, mm -hmm. I wear my uniform every day. Cash flow mm -hmm. roadmap. I'm not in Gucci, Louis, Fendi. I'm in my apparel, right? Getting back yeah. to Brandon, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm in my apparel. So when I go to the properties, guess what? I'm the I'm, I'm the maintenance man. Mm -hmm. I'm not the landlord. I'm not the owner, right? We, we don't have to be friends. I'm the maintenance man because guess what? Tenants tell the maintenance man everything. Right. Right? They tell the maintenance mm -hmm. man everything. So... I'm hands on. You got to be hands on involved and, and, and you got to be hands on and involved in your properties. Mm -hmm. I'm not an absentee investor. I'm not an absentee landlord. I'm mm -hmm. hands on. So 95 doors, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, that's a lot. But think, break it down like this. If I got a, a four unit building, that's that's four apartments. Mm -hmm. If I got 10 of them, that's 40 doors. So when people say I got 95 doors or I got 100 doors, don't let social media get your brain get gassed up. Mm -hmm. a ten, 10 unit buildings is a hundred doors. It's not, I don't have a hundred buildings. Mm -hmm. I got 95. I got, well, after next week, after next Tuesday, we're going to have 107 doors, right? Mm -hmm. But it's doors. It's right. not, a, it's not 107 roofs. It's not mm -hmm. 107 physical buildings. Don't let that fool you when people talk big talk, right? When everybody talk that big talk, I'm like, get out of here, right? So, <laughs> so, I can have uh four I can have 10 four unit buildings mm -hmm. which is going to be 40 doors. It's only 10 buildings. Mm -hmm. It's also now now I'm breaking it down, right? So now okay, it's only 10 buildings. It's only 10 buildings. Mm -hmm. Right? But if I got a system, I got a system. All of my tenants go through a rigorous background check. They go through a rigorous screening process, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not just asking to talk to, you know, your your boss or I'm not just asking to talk to your next door neighbor for a reference. I'm asking to talk to your boss, your boss's boss, HR department, right? I got a bulletproof lease, right? Every year or every time I get a turnover. Mm -hmm. And if there is a situation in my turnover that cost us any type of loss, I add that loss to my lease. I've been building the same lease for the last 25 years. So we mm -hmm. call it the bulletproof lease. Like mm -hmm. my lease, like I'm adding things to the lease as I'm going along. I talk to my attorney. Hey, I didn't like how this felt when this tenant moved out. What can I do to what can I do to prevent that going forward? Well, you got to add this in your lease. We restructured the lease, right? Mm -hmm. So that 25-year experience of having that bulletproof lease, it 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 keeps me in line where I don't have to worry about evictions. And mm -hmm. I got another system I can tell you about. I don't, I don't do evictions. My okay. money is guaranteed. Right. My money's guaranteed. I rent a, a, a Section 8. I, I, I rent more of 95 percent of my portfolio was to veterans. Right. Mm. My leases are written from my LLC to another company's LLC. So there's no tenant. There's no physical tenant in between. So it's not it's not my lease with Jane Doe or John Doe is 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 my LLC to Jane Doe LLC. So that means that I'm always getting paid. I never have to do an eviction. Right. So now that makes half of the landlording a little bit easier. Right. The other thing is those checks are coming in guaranteed, guaranteed deposits. So I don't got to go knocking on somebody's door, picking up rent. Right. Mm -hmm. Those checks is, is mail. We call it mailbox money. Right. Mm -hmm. It's either being mailed in or it's being directed to our bank account. So we don't have to do that. I have a, 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 a automation system. Go high level. I'm very transparent. I, I use go high level. Go high level. I take care of all my tenants. They can do their their maintenance calls in there. If they're going to pay through uh, invoices, they can pay through invoice. And this is the conventional tenants I'm talking about now. So my mm -hmm. conventional tenants, they can pay through the invoices there. I hired a VA, right? Very transparent from the Philippines. You know, she make you know peanuts to donuts, right? So we hire a VA. They sit in that portal all day long. They answering calls. They making sure everything is going where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. I'm focused on the business yeah this mm -hmm. is how i can run my investment company i can run my property management company i can run my, my my acquisition company and my funding company right i can run all of these things because we have that system so it's not as difficult people when you hear oh he got 95 doors he probably pulling his hair out i sleep real good at night real, I sleep good. real good at night. right real good at night because i got a system 
right? Mm-hmm. I got to sit and things happen, right? You know, right. Some, some sentence, you know, might damage some things. But the way that my lease is set up, for one, I set it up where the tenant is responsible for the first $100. Okay. Right? If it's a house or apartment. So guess what? That means that they're going to be more mindful of the stuff that they that they gonna that may get damaged, so they're, they're going to take care of it a little bit more because it's coming out of their pocket. The mm-hmm. second thing is, remember what I said: I'm an active landlord. I'm active in my business. We do quarterly inspections every ninety days. Everybody apartment gets walked through. Every mm. ninety days, everybody apartment gets walked through. Christmas holidays, if people celebrate it, we send out gift cards. We mm-hmm. send flowers to our elderly clients that's older that's over fifty five years of age. Right. So I'm treating these people with so much respect. Yeah. They would feel disrespected by disrespecting me for damaging our properties. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Now, we don't and, and we don't just rent to anybody. Right. One of our other protocols is that when you fill out. So a lot of people, when they do landlording, they got an application. They charge for background checks. Mm-hmm. We got a two step process. We got a pre application first where you fill that out. I get all your information. You go see the unit. If you like the unit, then you do the second part of the application, which is the background, the, the background screening, right? To make sure that you're qualified to move forward. But what we do when we call people's job, I call the job. Hey, how you doing? Does, you know, Tiffany Brown work for you? Yes, she does. How long Tiffany Brown been working for you? She's been working for me for the last two to three years. Great. And you are, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Thomas Wilson. Mr. Thomas Wilson. Great. Can you give me the number to HR? HR. Mm. Yes. Can you give me the number to HR? Because now I've verified Tiffany. But now I'm going to verify Mr. Thomas Wilson. <laughs> so now I'm going to call HR and say, hey, does Tiffany work for a one, two, three company? Yes, she does. Is Thomas Wilson her supervisor? Who? Thomas Wilson. No, we don't got no Thomas Wilson that worked for us. Guess what? Tiffany just got disqualified. Wow. Wow. And listen, this y'all, is. let's keep it 100. <laughs> we know some of y'all that had y'all friends, y'all sister <laughs> as y'all reference. So exactly. don't act like that. That. Mm-hmm. Calvin, so I'm already go ahead and put it on the record. We just need you to come back and do just like <laughs> landlord 101, just yeah, so sure. people, because I think that we need to pull back the curtain. And that's part of what the this platform is for here at Aid to Assets. We want to pull back the curtain because for so many of us, this has seemed unreachable. This has seemed like, oh, this is something they do and we can't. And it's really not. We have all of the skills, the resources, the tools that we need in order to run a successful business. And listen, if y'all didn't go back, y'all need to run this back and take notes because he just gave y'all some crazy landlord property management game. Now, I got to ask this one, though, because this blew my mind. Tell us real quick. You said your leases. You are doing an LLC to the other LLC. Break that down for me a little bit more because I've never heard that. Yeah, so so typically a lot of people, when you get into being a landlord and you get properties, you're only thinking inside the box. Mm-hmm. Right? You got to think outside the box. How can I protect my asset? What's, what, what's the number one thing that, that every landlord goes after and every landlord focus on is money. Mm-hmm. Everybody, oh my God, they didn't pay my rent. They didn't pay rent in five or six months. I don't care about the money. Now, I know that might sound a little cliche, like, what are you talking about? Like, you're in it to make money. I am. But think about it like this. Two years ago, we had something called a moratorium. Mm -hmm. And in that moratorium, you couldn't evict anybody. Mm -hmm. We did. We evicted people. And you know why? Because if you read the fine print of the moratorium, they set us up. What they said was, is if the tenant doesn't pay rent, we're going to offer you a subsidized rent relief program. If you sign and get the check from the moratorium, you cannot evict the tenant. Mm. That was part of the program. Now, mm-hmm. here's the twist. Why are you chasing the money? Right. See, the moratorium is always set up for financial attributes. If the tenant is suffering financially, the landlord is a business, so they don't want a business to put a average an average consumer out. So mm-hmm. instead of us going after the money, we went after the rules and regulations and policies of the lease. I don't care about the money. So what, Miss James? So, so what, Mister James is, is hasn't paid in six months. Mister James has a cat. My my maintenance guy is allergic to cats. We're evicting Mister James during the moratorium because he broke the rule and regulations of having a cat, not the money. You mm-hmm. never go after the money. You go after the policies, right? Mm-hmm. So when we recognize that, we recognize that if you have a regular tenant and you file suit. With a regular tenant, which is a regular conventional tenant, is a man, woman, or or, or both, right? 
your lawsuit goes against the individual person. The court system is set up to protect individual people before it's set up to protect a business. So what I found out is as I'm doing subsidized renting, I found out the company that the city and state utilizes for property management. Because remember, the city and state do Section 8, mm-hmm. but they have somebody else system who runs it. So mm-hmm. I plugged in directly with that system. And now my company, 123 LLC, is now in business with Philadelphia PA LLC as the landlord and the tenant. The tenant is the city of Philadelphia LLC coming mm-hmm. from my LLC. So in that in, in that situation right there, there's nobody to evict. Mm-hmm. So my mm-hmm. checks are coming in automatic. Mm-hmm. I never have to worry about an eviction because it's, biz- it's a business-to-business lease. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get away with not dealing with tenants. Remember when he mentioned, if they can't give you anything for free, you probably shouldn't listen to them? Y'all, <laughs> that right there is worth the time that you have spent listening to this episode. That, yeah, Calvin, sure. you have a community, you have an opportunity for people to tap in. I would what? be amiss if I did not let, let you share the details because they need to for learn sure. more. So how can they get plugged in? Sure, absolutely. So one of the things that we do, we have something called the Cash Flow Roadmap Community. You guys can go follow me on social media at Calvin Cannon Jr. You can shoot me a direct DM or you can click the link in my bio. The link in the bio takes you to our community. Our community, we meet every month. We meet twice a month, the first and third Wednesday of every month. I break down different strategies like this um, um, throughout the month. We focus on real life things that are happening in real estate. The first day of the month, I'm talking about my experience and what I'm doing every week. The second day of the month, I focus on one of the leaders. That's another thing, too. I don't call people in my community mentees because mentee is something you do with a child. We call them leaders. And I'm a leader trying to trying to breed and groom other leaders. So when you become a leader in our community, the second week, the leader talks about something that they're going through through real estate. And I break down the strategies on how to help that leader in order for the other leaders can witness and see that. So, you know, everybody's more than welcome to sign up. Um, it is a, a, a monthly fee to be inside of the community. Um, well worth it. You're not locked into any contracts. If you feel like I'm not giving you no value, you just let me know, hey, discommunicate me from being in here. We, we take you out of the community and you go on about your business. I, I We are not anybody that's looking to get rich off of online programs. We don't do that. My goal is to give people information so they can grow. Information changes situations. Situations changes your compensation and compensation changes everything else in your life. And that's what we agree to do. Absolutely. Y'all, there will be a link to that in the description. So definitely go ahead, follow Calvin, tap into the community. We've talked a lot about you need community. You need to know other people who are doing these things that you can have these conversations with, learn from, problem solve with. So this is a great community for you to join. So before we wrap up, Calvin, one last question that I want to ask you is looking back now, you have had an amazing career in real estate and I know you just getting started good. So there's so much more (laughs) in store for you. When you look back to that college student at Temple, what advice would you give him knowing what you know now about the journey that was ahead? Oh man. So I'm going to say this, the college student and the nine to five worker. The okay. college student and the nine to five worker. My, my my best advice to you guys right now is one, use what you have and grow, right? So when it comes to like that nine to five worker, your job is your first silent partner into real estate. Everybody, I don't care what type of work you do. You can be at McDonald's flipping burgers. That's a skill set. You're learning skill sets that you can utilize to get into the business, right? Don't don't feel like, oh, I'm at my job. I hate my job. No, you don't hate your job. You just haven't utilized the skill sets that your job is teaching you in order for you to grow your business in real estate or any business that you want to grow, right? Use the skill sets. College student, use the people around you. And I mean that in the humblest way, right? I don't mean like, oh, go use this person. What I mean is that your, your college that you walk in every day is the biggest networking hub that you can see, right? I guarantee you somebody in your college classroom or 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 one of your studies that you're doing can be your next business partner. The reason why they're not is because you're not speaking it up. You're not talking about what you do, right? You got to stop thinking that everybody inside your phone and your immediate circle is the person that needs to support you, right? And 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 
going to leave you with this one example. I want you to open up your phone and I want you to go through your call list. And I want you to do this assignment. Every time I teach and, 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 and talk, I give an assignment. I want everybody to take this homework assignment. I want you to go to every person that's in your phone and I want you to put next to their name asset or liability. Asset or liability, right? Income or withdrawal. That's the, that, that, that's the four words you're going to put. Because see, when your phone ring, it's up to you on what type of energy that's going to come off of that phone. So if you're a college student, your phone should be filled with assets. When you're at work, your phone should be filled with assets. In order for you to get to the next level, you got to have more assets in your phone than you have to have liabilities, right? And don't get misconstrued with family because, see, we always say, oh, my family first. Blood is thick in the water, but you need water to survive, mm. right? Blood makes you family. I'm sorry. Blood makes you related. Blood makes you related. You share the same bloodline. Loyalty makes you family. So you need to find the loyal people around you, whether it's at your job, whether it's in college, and gravitate to these people and build. Don't neglect your job as I hate my job. I hate school. You got to take that hate energy out and replace it with something positive, right? High, I mean, high energy, high vibration equals high income. Equals high income. And that's how you win getting started in real estate. Check the people around you. Take your job and change the job experience that they're teaching you and take that and put it into real estate, put it into a business. You're being trained. You're being trained for free. You're getting paid to get trained. Mm -hmm. If you work somewhere, they're paying you and they're training you. Take the customer service skills. Call your HR department. Hey, how do you hire people? How did you hire me? What's some of the questions that you ask me, right? Take those skill sets. Instead of looking at the things that we think don't matter, take that. Before I left corporate America, I took the HR book. I took their policies. I took their rules and regulations. And I, and, I, and I took that and I built my business with that same information. That's how you win. That's how you want to real estate. I couldn't wrap this up any better way. That was <laughs> absolutely, y'all, like I'm already about to go back and rewatch this and take some notes. I hope that you all found this valuable. Calvin, thank you so, so much for your thank time you. today. This has been amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And listen, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to your community. And guys, listen, just hang in there, believe in yourself. Nobody does work the way that you can do work. Don't worry about what everybody else is talking about. Stay focused. And I thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely, y'all. When y'all go back to work tomorrow, you got a new set of eyes. You are you get the inside scoop on how a company is run so you can build yours. <laughs> That's, That's right. amazing. That's right. Okay. So until okay. next time, y'all, this has been another episode of the Aid to Assets podcast where we are helping you start and scale your real estate investment portfolio. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode of Aid to Asset. Remember, your journey from nine to fiver to successful real estate investor is within reach. Keep learning, keep growing, and keep investing in your future. If you'd like to know more, connect with me on Instagram at Aid to Asset. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Until next time, happy investing.